Hello, New Eden. Welcome to Talking Installations. Today we're on a different push channel due to some technical issues, but we're just gonna go ahead and just keep rocking and rolling. We have a pretty jam-packed show today. We're gonna cover some weekly news here shortly, and then we're also gonna have an interview with a very, very prominent and very well-known hauling corporation. He's actually the CEO of Losec Buyback, but he also runs the HiSec Buyback Wing, and we're going to ask him a few questions, do an interview, and then hopefully if we have time, ask some newbie-friendly questions to kind of give people who are interested in this lifestyle, you know, so a little bit of information. But just starting out, how is everybody doing today? Doing fine, thank you. And yourself? I'm doing good, doing good, doing good. What about you, Eric? You doing okay today? Also doing good, enjoying my weekend. That's awesome, that's awesome. So just to jump right on into it, you know, the, I guess the first thing we should go ahead and just cover is uh, the old man star fight. Were you two familiar with what happened exactly? Or do you know a little bit about what was going on? Not, not that much, actually. Okay, okay. What about you, Eric? Did you hear about what happened? I heard about it after it happened. Looks like it was a fun time, but sadly, no, I wasn't part of it. <laughs> okay, no problem. Well, it, it 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 was. It was kind of hard to so to kind of back up. Today was kind of a little bit of a short notice because rain. I think she wasn't going to be able to make it, so I actually didn't hear about the fight until last night. But from what I was able to find, it was a pretty pretty amazing fight. It involved around fourteen hundred pilots. There's two different sides, of course, snuff and. Their allies versus, I think it was about nine or ten different alliances or corporations. The most prominent ones are Fraternity and Goon Swarm. I think, well, Pin is out, Pin is out Timer was being attacked. And who else did, was on there? Let's see. Well, I'll be able to pull up the full list here yeah. in a second. But... Now, like I'm showing the battle report, we got oh, like perfect. Fraternity that was there too. Mm hmm. But um, yeah. am I really reading that right? Fraternity on the same side as goons? Yes. And that's that's the weird thing about this whole deal. Because I couldn't get a reason as to why they were there working with the goons. My guess is they just wanted to kind of be a third party and kind of like attack the snuff titans that were out there for that dread brawl. And they just said, well, you know what? What the heck? We're just going to go ahead and kind of like blue chill each other for a second and just try to take them on, which is super surprising because they still ended up dunking on both goons and fraternity, but that was because they really didn't have anything other than like dreadnoughts and, sorry, not dreadnoughts, dreadnoughts and a few carriers, I believe. I do actually have, let's see. So looking at it, for Snuff's side, they ended up, Losing 157 ships on an average, it was about 220 billion isk loss. They had a 59% efficiency. Goon swarms and allies, they lost about 756 ships and they had lost in the isk war with 323 billion ships in isk total lost. And looking at it, the battle had a whole bunch of different ships that were lost. I had kind of just went through the battle report and pulled out some of the ship types. Of course, there were Dreadnought losses, carriers, snuff lost, a few force auxiliary ships, 
And then everything else was just basically subcaps, uh, command ships, battleships, a whole bunch of battleships were lost. Fourth recon ships, heavy interdiction ships, strategic cruisers, tactical cruisers. Like there was just a whole plethora of us. I think even a hauler was killed on the on the battle report. But there was just a whole bunch of stuff out there. And amazingly enough, once again, snuffed emerged victorious, killing about 756 ships, and only losing 140. When they were completely outnumbered with their 324 ships, goons had about a thousand plus in their fleet, which is pretty impressive but really what what ended up winning the fight was that dreadnought exchange dreadnought exchange that that snuff had won funny enough though when i was looking at the battle report too and kind of like piecing a bit of information it did look like snuff was kind of stuck there for a time being but they weren't able to actually extract properly so they called in their allies deep water hooligans i think that's the name if i'm correct and they actually brought in some ships and they actually assisted with the extraction for snuff but overall like snuff stuff killed it but looking at the battle report well, how do y'all feel about everything actually i got a question because we got uh, pennies out that lost a uh, fortisar has built mm -hmm. do we know what's the relation with the pennies uh, out and well the ally that actually defend them like are, are, we, are they actually a lie or is there like a road or something that usually pass from pennies out like a territory up to like a null sec uh, towards like either fraternity or goon swarms well i couldn't i couldn't answer that because i don't really know if this was important to like fraternity and goon swarm the structure itself and what's even more confusing is i had honestly thought pin is out had disbanded about a year and a half ago so i didn't even know they were still still alive and kicking but they were kind of neutral ish to snuff in the past i know they had their disputes snuff actually had turned on them at one point and they had killed a few of their ships like i, I need to pull up the battle reports and the information for you but when i was uh, when i was looking at a lot of the stuff that the the relationship between the two were always kind of at odds but they still worked together but that being said, no no shade at snuff. They've always had like a rich history of I don't want to say betraying their allies, but taking on targets of opportunity while still holding somewhat of a relationship with their other alliances to work on taking other fights. That that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah. I feel yeah. like I'm looking at like those like uh, different like low set groups like uh, no forgiven that are like out of uh, cartels on there. Yeah, like. Those are like some that we were as used to see with the like the Imperium, but deep mm -hmm. water, like deep water Oligan, like they, they they do play like on every side, snuffed out to all the other Shadow ones. Cartel too. Well, Shadow Cartel, I think oh, you need to pay them. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true, but I, I I've always seen Shadow Cartel and snuffed as as rivals up until like. You know, stuff got too big to handle, but yeah, just just crazy, crazy stuff. The thing that really kind of blew my mind is the amount of faction dreadnoughts that were lost. Like, whoa, just looking at the the amount of dreadnoughts that were killed is just insane. Like, if you keep scrolling down, oh, well, you see a few revs. Yeah, but yeah, there you go. Well, if they like the they used like their titans with their doomsday one after the other and the other, well, those are the targets that you you'll see drop by. 
later on we'll be speaking about like uh, some t2 address coming up but mm -hmm. that battle right there that's the use of the real that like uh that ray that they can be used against capitals and what it can actually be doing in like a capital fight so that's great mm -hmm. i really don't have much else to add to this let me just look through my notes just to make sure i talked about everything important oh yeah there also was a i forgot to link it in the show notes so but i'll have to Link it by the end of the video. Snuff actually recorded, well, actually, a few of the alliances involved recorded different videos from different perspectives. So, if anybody who also just wanted to take a look at um, how everything unfolded, I'll, I'll make sure that I get that sent over too. Great. But that was the Snuff fight. Now, kind of like just moving into the next topic new dreads. So, CCP's working on a new class role of ship. Eric was also saying he was pretty knowledgeable about it, but I also did review the dev blog, and I found some pretty interesting things that I also wanted to cover too. But Eric, what? So I guess I'll start with you. From the dev blog, what were some interesting takes that you you feel like you were really excited for? From my standpoint, it's it's exciting to see CCP working to try to break the classic cap ball up. By introducing that AOE newt, it's it's definitely a nice step forward towards making capital positioning and placement matter. Rather than just bringing 20 of these things in a ball, you know, you could actually be better off bringing a smaller number and maybe even using, hopefully, hopefully using the orb formations that we don't see used enough to get these things to the right place in the grid where they can apply the effects that they're meant to mess up the enemy fleet with. That's actually a good point that you say that because, I mean, no-sec fighting has been usually clumped or most fleets, they just warp together. There's no really strategic positioning at all. Now you're starting to see with this, this new Lance deal, kind of like punishing, there's like a counterplay with that. So like if you don't, if you don't create multiple squads, create multiple warp endpoints and all that stuff, spread out your fleet, it might be a lot more vulnerable. And when you're Dealing with things like super carriers and titans that are now easily or more vulnerable, can be more vulnerable to to, to attacks, it kind of does kind of cause an issue for a lot of these people in these fights. I do like the Lancer, too, how you can kind of like pull people in and tractor them. That was pretty interesting as well. Actually, I do have like one of a question, because in the different debuff that uh, get applied on, like, let's say the enemy... One is not tethering, not the ability to not tether. If you are already tethered, it doesn't affect you. But when you undock, you got this little time before like you get tethered. Could you, when you like, let's say you undock all your caps or all your fleet, use that thing before the actual tether gets on? I wouldn't know that, unfortunately. I, I'm not sure what the time that it is for you to get tethered when you undock. And even then, I mean, you're, you're somewhat invulnerable when you undock too, right? That's exactly it, yeah. When you undock, you have a 10-second invulnerability. You can't be tackled. Yeah. I can't say for certain because I'm not CCP, but I don't see them taking away that invuln. Yeah. I don't think that, that would the lance would affect the ship that's under invuln. 
yeah it will like it would still be invulnerable but the debuff itself is not tethering so it might be I don't, I don't believe any effects can be applied while you're under invuln but that that definitely is an interesting question something that hopefully somebody will get raised to ccp for a for a firmer answer yeah i didn't even know about that i'm gonna have to look into that too myself so can you kind of give me a little bit more information about the debuff so like what what is exactly does it entail again yeah like i'm the on the ccp page right now you're going through mm -hmm. like uh, those new uh, ships so here you got like the amar bane let's actually try to get that bigger that looks really cool um too big for the screen okay yeah, and while you're doing that too, I, th I think it's also important to kind of like go over. So like, there's a few different variations of the dreadnoughts that I pulled. The Moros is for damage. The Nagafar will be for well, the, sorry, specifically the Lancer module itself. The Moros's Lancer will be for damage output. The Nagafar will be for mobility and range. And Funny enough, the Phoenix class, which is the Kaldari variant, it'll be for shield boosting. So you have like different roles that each one, kind of like how CCP has always done different roles for different races. Each one fits into their niche playstyle. Mimitar has always been fast and mobile. Kaldari has always been tanky, and Galante, the Galante Dreadnought will be for damage. Yeah, also like the... The Galante Dreadnought is the only one of the four that got a bonus to hull tanking. Oh. So that's weird. <laughs> that is super weird. Some of the bonuses are pretty cool. Yeah, the the, the Hubris has a bonus, 5% bonus to hull tank. And uh, the Volraven, if I'm pronouncing it right, has actually a bonus to active shield and active armor reps, which I think is the first time we've ever seen an armor bonus for a Minmatar capital ship. Yeah, <laughs> that's actually kind of cool too. Another thing that I thought was neat is Conid finally got into the capital game with the Bane, which mm -hmm. now is a Minmatar dreadnought that uses missiles, really mixing up the, the meta there, because you got an armor capital that shoots missiles. Yeah, so like here we see the lands from here we see the lands from the Caldari Kahuga. That's so cool. Yeah, like the like the animation once again, like the art team, like at CCP, like they're so so great. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, the art team has been the standout thing for CCP for most years. But go ahead, I'm sorry. Yeah, so here we got the the Minmatar one. Like it really just look awesome. Oh, it's also I don't know if we've already covered it, but it's also to important to highlight that these will be suited for killing. Super carriers and titans. They won't be. They'll be vulnerable to battleships. So there's a counterplay. And one thing I do want to also kind of go into is I feel like a little bit of a side note. If you're a miner who has a lot of ore, or who is planning on doing a lot of mining, it might be in your best interest to mine and hold on to your ore until like these these ships come out and blueprints are available, so that that way once the NoSec alliances who will be the first ones to get this out buy up all the materials in their space and in high sick you'll be able to start to see a lot of those materials that you would normally sell you know for normal rates maybe get a, tiv a 10 to 15 percent markup yeah but the because thing of the demand like the, the thing that like um i wonder 
will will they be on like on market like the blueprint or will you have to research uh, like the the bpc of the t1 to get a chance to get the t like the t2 and then only like uh, some new capital parts gonna be like on market oh yeah capital well i don't think they would introduce any new capital parts well they need to because like the only one that we got are the one from the jump freighter that are t2 capital parts Mm-hmm. So you'll need at least like a turrets and and like a, some other points that you you usually need to get like a, a capital ship on. So you, there there's gonna be like at least like two, if not three, like a new capital parts T two version because like the jump freighter, well, there's no gun. There's all like a, it's still like really hard to build, but uh, if you're by yourself, but. Well, the thing that I've I've been understanding with CCPs, at least for dreadnoughts, they're trying to make them as easy to produce as possible. With these, though, being T two, you might be right. They might try to like introduce a lot more subcomponents that you have to produce. But even then, I feel like there would probably be other ways that you can get it, like running sites, getting the blueprints, and of course, you know, with T two T two blueprints production, you'll have to probably still go go around, go about it that way, but. From from CCP stance, they want more dreadnoughts in space, so they'll probably make it a lot more viable than, you know, say for example, super carriers or titans. Yeah, well, you're touching a good point here because they also announced like a whole industry rework that's going to be happening in the same patch to make sure that like some of the the standard capitals will be like easier to build because right now it's not agreeable and. Which actually just makes sense to get like the T2 at the same time that would have like their own level of difficulty to build. Interesting stuff. Before we move into the interview though, did y'all have anything else that y'all wanted to say about the capitals themselves? No? Okay. Besides whoever builds one, sell me one? <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to see what the price will be. You know, since it's going to be the first one, it's going to be quite a bit. I don't, I don't know if I can afford anything like that, but... Uh... The, well, I, I do want to end on this this point. The Lancer module really does look like a really weird, and and I, I have to give, I, I'm I'm constantly always kind of like complaining to CCP about the decisions that they make, but I feel like this new Lancer module, A1 A1 development. Thank you CCP for adding this in. It's gonna be really interesting to see massive PvP battles now. Yeah. Oh. But anyways, oh, go ahead. Yeah, because like uh, right now, like uh, there's a lot of stockpiles for those that were into the workwall era, but those that are starting up and that are only a few years old, it's harder to get this capital production running. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that's the 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 new development that's coming up soon to a local station near you. So we're just gonna go ahead and just kind of shift gears a little bit now so for the last portion of our show i wanted to go ahead and interview my friend here eric before we start eric do you want to kind of give like a brief description of who you are what type of play style you have in eve yeah sorry i just accidentally deleted half my notes (laughs) (laughs) control z control z man actually i guess in the grand scheme of things a relatively new eve player i started playing early 2017 I've watched I watched Eve a long time prior to that, but 
either just not having money to subscribe or having a computer to play it on. I didn't get into it as early as some of the, some of you guys out there. But right now, my my main my main play style is either PvP, which is what I enjoy doing, and then yeah, the the high sec and low sec buybacks, which is just a, a great project and hauling and uh, trading is where I make uh, most of my money to fund my PvP. It's, that's cool. What type of PvP do you do? Do you do it with the, high, the low sec banner or a low sec buyback banner or do you have like a all corporation that you do PvP on or something like that? I keep my buyback characters very separate from my PvP characters. Nice clear division there. The naming scheme is separate but I don't PvP on my buyback characters. Mm. I actually have a corporation that's in Sov Nullsec, where I do most of my PvP these days. I got a question. Like, did I hear that right? You got like a low sec buyback? Mm-hmm. Yes, the low sec buyback is actually affiliated with and developed by the same people that run high sec buyback. I know you guys have spoken with before. It's basically the same deal. We buy stuff in any NPC station in low sec. Even Misaba? That's getting interesting. Because for people that got like, I don't know, like six, seven Titan get there. Yeah, and, and I, the cool I don't know if I can buy six or seven Titans at a time, but I mean, if people want to sell me a Titan in Misaba, definitely can can look up low sec buyback and get in touch with us. Great, great, great. Uh, oh, we'll, we'll need a, a, like a, a link for that. I'm, I'm getting on it. Yeah, I was actually gonna put that at the end of the note the, the show but i really did want to kind of like we should do that now are you able to pull up either high sec buyback or low sec buyback to kind of like give people an idea of the process i should have ah oh, dang it it would have been Thank a good you. time to do it yeah um, got it here so i'll, I'll put the it's kind of weird because you got to log in with your eve portal and then once you do that it pulls up your api it has your character you click on the character that you want to set up the contract for right and then using so, high sec buy- Go ahead. The, the login, we don't store any of that information. It's to weed out bots, right? Because CCP limits ESI or API calls. So, yeah, that's that's strictly to weed out bots. We get asked about that a fair bit. We don't record any of that information. It's not used for anything else than just making sure we don't have bots pinging our calculator every 10 seconds. Right. And, in, and it's important to highlight that, too, because a lot of people are kind of, like, super weird about their log. I mean, rightfully so, but they're super weird about their login information luckily i mean there's there's two factor all the uh, weird segue <laughs> if you ever are worried about your the security of your account and you haven't already set it up before two-factor authentication will save your your butt so set, set that up you can set it up through uh believe i use google authenticator if i ever want to like kind of like log in on a here. new computer same thing here like yeah. It, it works great but uh, sorry backing up a little bit so eric with the contracts we actually we'll, we'll get to all that here shortly kind of moving a little bit too quickly here so with hauling so with your with your corporation what different types of hauling jobs do you do what type of ships do you also use for different jobs as well so the Talk keeps deleting all my notes. <laughs> Control so, Z, yeah, man. The main, the main ships that we're using is 
90, 90% for low sec buyback, 90% of our freight is moved by jump freighter. Quite a bit is, is moved by blockade runners as well. And quite a bit of freightering. I find myself doing probably about 150 freighter jumps a week on average. Dang, that's actually kind of crazy. How much fuel is that? Do you do you keep tabs on that? I, you know, I wish I did. I could probably talk to the guy who does most of it and get an answer, but it's it's got to be quite a bit. Wait, you have a guy whose job it is to keep tabs on the fuel of the fuel budget. Just for the no, jump no, just oh, it's about I, I don't do the majority of the jump freighting. We have another guy who actually does the majority of our jump freighting for low sec buyback, and he would have a better idea. I, I do niche stuff here or there, or when I have a ton of bulk stuff. But mm -hmm. I mean, we we probably move. If I had to guess, we got to move roughly ten million M three a, a week. That's so about ten, 10 jump freighters. More than ten. You get you get three hundred and forty to three hundred sixty thousand M three in a jump freighter. Yeah. So three jump freighters, roughly to a million M three. Yeah. So ten should be around three million. Ten jump freighters would be around three million through to three point six million. Yeah. And it, I feel like it's also important to note that y'all don't usually y'all don't run on any citadels, right? It's just NPC stations for your for your contract, right? Yeah, that's a relatively recent thing. We actually, for high sec buyback, we did accept from Citadels for a long mm. time. It's a recent change where we've banned Citadels. That's weird. So, I'm I'm guessing because of the change, because I've always used the NPC stations. I just thought that was like a normal thing because with courier contracts, I believe you could only do like no, 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 no. My bad. Let me back up. Anyways, but. Uh, I feel like the reason why y'all probably did that is y'all probably had a lot of people scamming y'all or like locking y'all out before y'all arrived. Yeah. <laughs> I can see how this there, is going. There were some bad actors that unfortunately tried to hurt us in some creative ways. And yeah, the, it wound up being that the best call was just to avoid Citadels. You mind if I hear a few stories of uh, some bad actors and how they try to mess y'all up? I, I don't want to give any scammers ideas is the problem. Ah, uh, Okay. Because okay, I don't want someone else getting hurt. But uh, EVE players are living up to their record of being extremely creative. But I mean, I, that's, that's what we do. I guess that there's a, like a, a nice uh, quantity of free port citadels in Losec, right? There's a few free ports, and, and most of them I, I wouldn't trust. Yeah. We've got well, a few funny. stories of those. Oh, I have, I have plenty of those, mostly with... Well, I don't know if PL still lives in Amamaki, but they used to do that back in the day a lot. They would they would allow people to, to dock there, and then they would change it. Anyways, I, I have a bad habit of going on a tangent. Don't mind me. <laughs> <laughs> trying to bring things back. So you kind of... So we kind of started the next topic point that I wanted to get into with the risks involved with hauling. Specifically to low sec buyback, and then we can kind of segue to high sec buyback. Are there any challenges involved with hauling, such as like war declarations, gankers, or gate campers that you've seen, or that you can recommend to new players to kind of like watch out for? Besides the Citadel stuff, we don't have to get into that. Yeah, jump freighters run the risk of you gotta choose your stations carefully with 
low-sec buyback, a lot of the MPC stations, you might get stuff that's maybe in a kick-out station. Yeah. So you got to be careful. That's that's the biggest risk for a jump freighter pilot is when you undock, you don't have the ability to redock if if someone's out there waiting for you. As Do you far, ever have? Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Do you ever have people? Well, it's a it's a, so back in you know early two thousand eight when when I was playing Eve mostly, you had a lot of war deck high sec corporations that would actually wait for somebody to go to to a kickout station what we called it but it's the same thing you described and they would undock when you're undocking so they could actually push you off the undock do you see a lot of that happening with your jump freighters as well no we're pretty cautious as far as our jump freighting anytime it involves we have a pretty good grasp of which stations we got to keep eyes on mm. but that, that comes from experience a new jump freighter pilot would absolutely have to be very very alert as to that have you and, uh, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just getting back. To, so, like, with that, have you had anybody dock with you that you've noticed is kind of sus that you've avoided undocking because they docked at the same time you did, too? Me? Absolutely. Okay. I, I Z-kill everybody when I'm in my jump freighter. Oh. And uh, you... for me, one of the scariest things I can see is somebody who's been in an NPC corp for 300 days. Because I, I know how people use those <laughs> NPC corp players to lull you into a false sense of security. Right. I feel like anybody who's been in NPC more than two months is a spy or, you know, somebody you can't trust. So it's pretty funny. <laughs> Sorry, somebody's messaging me. So kind of taking another step back here. So with low-sec buyback... Are there any strategies or tactics that you use to, to mitigate the risks to ensure, you know, a high percentage of successful deliveries or a high percentage of safe, safe jump transportation? Yeah, that's how I want to say it. Yeah, the stuff. So, I mean, I, I do some of the hauling. I deal with a lot of freighters. I deal with a lot of the big ships, and I do a lot of blockade running, high, very, like, high-value, low-M3 stuff. To the jump freightering, I actually outsource a lot of my sketchy jump freightering to somebody far better at it than me. Shameless mm-hmm. plug for GH Soul. If you guys ever need a jump freighter courier, he's fantastic. But um, yeah, the, the biggest thing is learning your kickout stations, I would think. And there's people who are pretty knowledgeable about the jump routes outside of a lot of the asset safety systems. So if you put your Sino up, they have the ability to like get on grid with your sino very quickly if they're trying to hunt jump freighters you got to be on the ball with sino placement what would you recommend if you had a new player well not a new player you had somebody who was just now getting into jump freightering and you they they didn't they weren't as knowledgeable about looking out for like things you know, such as you were explaining with Sinos or people kind of like waiting to prey on those players. Like, are there certain things that you could recommend to allow them to avoid those situations? I I mean, as as in most things in EVE, joining a group of people that has that subject matter knowledge is probably the best step. If you want to learn how to jump freighter, go hang out with people that don't lose jump freighters. Yeah. And then... Singularity is a great resource where you can go and practice setting up your sinos and and jumping relatively risk free because if you lose jump freighter on Singularity, it doesn't hurt you at all. 
Well, there's a good question uh, here. Some of our viewers might be newer to Heaves and they might hear, okay, Singularity, CC, what's that actually? Singularity is the, the test server, which uh, mirrors, I forget the amount, I want to say roughly every three months or if CCP does like a big patch where you can log on. They, the market is seated with basically everything for, what is it, 100 disk or 1,000 disk? So you, can like out a, you can kit out a jump freighter for like 10,000 isk or something like that and just go play with it and learn the mechanics. Yeah, I've seen people with Titans just, just doomsdaying each other just for the, for the lulls. I actually did a lot of that when I was trying to learn how to probe when I first started the game. You know, it it, it really does kind of give you a, a more of a learning you're able to get out there and you're able to explore and you kind of like remove yourself from the sting of losing you know but dump freight is a lot of isk a lot of money so like you 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 remove yourself from that that hazard to put yourself in that kind of like weird situation where you have to be vulnerable um a lot of people aren't committed to do that in tranquility unfortunately because of yeah if you if you lose that ship that you're not getting that back <laughs> so i i think that's actually really good and i and i always am trying to push for new players to get on the test server to try things out because in that arena in that server you're able to put yourself in once again positions that you could see yourself in tranquility and you remove yourself from that that isk value because that isk value will be the the thing that either kind of like makes or breaks you in that play style and you know if you're wanting to get the knowledge you have to kind of put yourself in those positions pvp is another another one for that too Especially when you're kind of like working with like E2 ships, people are once again risk avert. They don't want to undock that stuff. Well, if you go to the test server, you can try out a whole bunch of fits. It's super cheap, and uh, yeah, you can just work on yourself on that that end. Yeah, and all the like yeah, the the PvP uh, like tactics, manual piloting, like uh, spiral like, tackle, and like all this uh, like those kind of maneuver that. Well, better work like learn them on this in a safe space than like just like, uh, trying once then get killed and doing like all the way back to this place that will take you like 10 15 minutes. Yeah, go there and learn your stuff so that you can enjoy more like uh, when you're on the tranquility, right? And I actually had um, I wanted to backpedal, so you you had went into a little bit into the blockade runners. With blockade runners, can you kind of give me some examples as to how a new player would use those ships? And are there any other variants that you could use in low sec that's alpha friendly? So blockade runners are nice because typically you can tank them just enough that they can survive like getting hit by a smart bomb camp. The cloaking is a lifesaver. If, if you got a big gate camp that you don't think you can get through, you can just kind of cloak up and, and either wait it out or, you know change your route without getting caught they're extremely useful i've seen a bunch of people try dsts in low second it, it doesn't always work out they're slow they're very easy to catch yeah and so, with the blockade runners you could also do the mwd cloak trip i don't know if a lot of people are familiar with that but the way you don't really need them. to if you fit your blockade runner well because you can cloak the second you come out of gate cloak and you, you can fit them to get into warp pretty fast that's true yeah yeah, that's uh, when alpha friendly. If somebody wanted to do low sec hauling in a blockade runner style, the and this was actually something I'm familiar with because this is how I started hauling is uh, an insta warp sunesis. 
Oh yes, the Nisus. Cargo cargo fitted Instawarp Sunesis is a great ship for somebody that wants to try hauling on a relatively low budget. It works in high sec, it'll work fairly well in low sec. You can even get through some wormholes with it, provided, you know, you gotta watch for sabers and bubbles, but what type of slippery. Um, what type of cargo capacity are you able to get with the Sunesis? I think yeah, you can get about twelve hundred M three. So it's that's good for moving high-value stuff, Lulu implant sets, blueprints. I, I probably wouldn't move blueprints with one, but if you had if you had bigger stones than I do, you could. Another another good ship too is this, I hear Stratioses are pretty good for moving blueprints and skill books around. Is with the cloak, and then if you fit it with cargo capacity, I think you could get in a um, M3. So that's another newbie-friendly because the Sinesis. Is it able to fit a cloak? No, right? Not a covert ops, no. You could yeah. put a prototype cloak on it, but that won't really help you warp. Yeah, yeah so the, the, the Stratios is alpha-friendly, right? You can fly a Stratios as an alpha. Yeah, yeah so uh, that would be another good option. But alphas can't use cloaks anyway, so... Good point, yes. Yes, that's very true. It's very true. Other than that, though, are there any other ships that you would recommend for, like, low-sec hauling? Or, it's like, is... Well, actually, probably not, because, like, the, clo the cloak is a make-or-break for low-sec hauling, right? The cloak is, is pretty, pretty useful, in my experience. Yeah. Yeah, but you I definitely mean... don't want to get caught on the gate. I, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of most of the T1 haulers, honestly. I think that they all have horrendous tank. They they align slow. They're in low sec. You're. I think you're gonna get caught more times than you're gonna get away. Yeah. I would stick to the small fast stuff. Do get cut your teeth on that until you can get a blockade runner is kind of the right call. Unfortunately. What about for high sec calling? What would you recommend for like alpha friendly? High sec calling, you can actually get away with some with tech one haulers to a certain degree. You gotta. And I know it changes. Like right now, the, the equation, high sec hauling has become significantly more dangerous because of the 75% loot drop. It really yeah. changes the equation in favor of the gankers right now. It's a lot more profitable to gank than it was. So, um, is there an ISK amount that you would say to try to like limit on your ships? I believe... So I'm very risk averse. But I know, I think the standard, and I gotta look it up, but I think it's like 3 million ISK per 1,000 EHP is, is the rough guideline. Okay, I've never heard that metric before. Where did that kind of like start, or where is that something that you created? It, no, it's, it's not something I created. I, I probably picked it up from Hauler's channel when I started hauling. I hung out there a lot. And someone did the math on, you know, either using catalysts or whatnot, how long it would take to kill you and how many catalysts it would take to kill X amount of EHP. So they figured, okay, if you stay under this amount, they have to use more catalysts than it's worth. That's actually kind of... You know, if they got to the... whelp 15 million catalysts to kill, you know, 10 million freight, it's not really profitable for them. But and if you're carrying 50 mil and they can use 10 mil in catalysts, all of a sudden, they're probably going to hit you now. And that's actually probably the best counterplay to anything because, like, it doesn't matter how much. Uh, a lot of people try to prepare 
their tank or prepare for these situations but it doesn't matter how much you prepare for you're you're most likely going to die so really the best deterrent to avoid ganks is uh, of course keeping your isk total amount as low as possible and just not being targetable really i see a lot of miners make that mistake by using faction mods or using machinals for like you know blinged out crystals and all this stuff and really what you're doing is it doesn't matter how much and then of course a lot of these people have the misconception that hey i have a hundred thousand hp there's no way these guys are going to gank me and they ended up getting ganked because i mean they're just not thinking from the isk loss and possible gain that the gankers are kind of like thinking because this is a business for them they're going to gank the most profitable thing and if you're profitable it doesn't matter what ship you're in orca let's see bowhead t1 hauler if it's if it's going to be a gain for them they're going to gank you most likely now Oh, yeah, actually, I got a question because last year I think they allowed to have like different kinds of munition and things that you can like keep in a hauler to be able to yeah. move it with, let's say, like a, how do you call that? Like the the ore one that allows the bowhead. So can can you now like charge up a bowhead full of hauling ships that are themselves themselves? full of other materials no because i think you can't have stuff in the, sh the cargo for the things that you're cargoing right you, so like if you, you have can. they they did expand the ship maintenance bay a lot with the stuff that can go into it it used to be just like modules you couldn't you couldn't have it was you could basically have charges now they've expanded it to the point where you can you can basically stuff your whole ship inside a bowhead with very few restrictions to what goes in in the in cargo and ship maintenance bag. So just to make this sure I'm hearing this correctly, so say for example if you have like twenty of the hauler that has bonuses to moving materials, you can actually put that in your bowhead now and that there's no restriction on that? There's still a couple restrictions to the to the SMA or ship maintenance bay. But theoretically, yeah, you, you could do that. I don't know that it'd be worth wow. it versus using a freighter. Well, it's to, to you can do the, the cloaky trick. Well, the equivalent of cloaky trick with bowhead, which you cannot with a freighter. Yeah. Yeah, you, you have to have mid slots. Micro warp drive to get in, in one cycle warp. That's such a good point. I've never thought about that. That's that's a, I, I, I'm going to have to play with that me. more. I, Okay. I, I you guys never that. use the bowhead. <laughs> so wait, are people able to scan the ship maintenance bay, or is that all they are? Yeah, ship scanner will show what ships are in there. But so then, so you're, if you're running a bowhead carrying five marauders that are labeled like incursion runner, yeah, you're, they're probably going to blow you up. Yeah, <laughs> but like if you carry, let's say, not blockade runners, but like the other one, like deep space transport that got. Mm -hmm. Let's say marauders in there, uh, um, like uh, they can't scan your cargo. Right? Yeah, so like it's like tree mm -hmm. scan down. So you need to scan scan the bowhead, scan the deep space, and into the deep space, get into the the right section to get like what's like what battleship you got hidden there. Yeah, it, kind of okay. there's I there's ways that they can they can see. I'm not as familiar with it because i haven't done a whole lot of ship scanning i thought the uh, the blockade runners weren't scannable though is that not true 
The blockades rather, yes, but the deep space are not. And if you want oh, to move okay. like a battleship, you need the deep space, uh, tra like the deep space uh, transport. Because uh, if, let's say, you live in a wormhole and that you don't want to, uh, like, uh, tire up the uh, the wormhole too much, like you instead of getting it, uh, like a brand new battleship, I mean, like in the battleship itself, you use like uh, the uh, the the DST to move it up so instead of being a large you're just a medium and you can move a lot of stuff in or out. you know it's so funny that you bring that up living in wormholes too if you were bringing in one ship at a time you would have to deal with the the entrance of the hole being kind of like reduced based off of the amount of ships but with the bowhead even though it's big you can move a lot of ships with just that one ship you know so if you needed to bring in I don't know. You said five battleships. You needed to bring in five battleships. If you did them individually, especially with their assembled, they would actually take up more mass in the wormhole versus with the bowhead. It does have a lot of mass, but you can bring in a lot more ships, and you could reduce that that effect of the wormhole probably collapsing on itself. Yeah. Plus the battleship themselves, once assembled, got the frigate base, so you get another ship there. Oh man. Yeah. See, like, it, see like you, you know, ships. like those Russian so those weird. things that we got here. Like, it's wonderful. <laughs> So you got the bowhead, then you got the battleship, then you got the frigate. That's actually kind of funny. Yeah, so you bring it in twice the amount of ships. Yeah, man, hauling is interesting. Another <laughs> I think weird. The frigate thing. escape bay is actually one of the things that you cannot carry in a ship maintenance bay. Oh, okay. It will make you pull the frigate out. Oh, really? Ah, oh, that's so yeah. sad. <laughs> At least it does the capitals. Mm -hmm. But speaking on wormholes, that's actually one of the things uh, when you were talking to me about hauling. When I started. Hauling, I, I did. I was in a. I was in a wormhole corp up until very recently. I've been a wormholer, and uh, it's a big part of the reason that I fly the shield haulers rather than the armor haulers, because a plated DST used to not be able to fit through a medium wormhole. So you actually had to choose the hauler based on you know if you lived in wormholes, you were probably flying Kaldari or Minmatar haulers rather than Amar or Galente for that reason. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, wormholes are something I haven't really messed around with. But now that They're you great. explain it, there's a reason why. It's complicated, man. There's so many rules. Like, you know, I'm just facts and warfare. I just, just keep it simple, you know. Oh, yeah. So um, I did have another question that I, I, I forgot to ask you earlier in the show. So what are some key – so say, for example, I'm a new player, right? I'm going to ask this to you as if I'm a new hauler. What are some skills and attributes that I need to be a successful hauler? And how can I train to improve those skills as well? Agility and tank, I would say, are the most important, right? How fast you can get into warp, how fast you can get out of warp, and your tank skills. I would prioritize over cargo space. Because if you can haul 50 million in your cargo expand, or 50,000 M3 in your cargo expanded Iteron, but it takes you 30 seconds to get off a gate, you're you're more likely to get ganked. You know, I would definitely prioritize your agility, your yeah, agility, maneuverability, and and high speed tank. maneuvering. Yep. So Are high there... speed maneuvering. Um, I f I'm not in game right now, so I can't pull up the exact skills. But I forgot there was a name for them when I started Eve. I think it was like the 12 engineering skills or whatever. But it's Magic like a, Yeah, man. Oh my god, I've heard that in a long time. Means great. So they important. apply to everything. Yeah, and and of course that also can be copied and pasted into PvP. 
having all those engineering skills will make you just so much more dangerous because you'll be having T2 modules. Whereas what I've seen a lot of new players do is they just skip the shield modules entirely and they just try to go into like the biggest ship type they can get into and they'll be having these battleships with just T1 modules. So it's, 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 I'm glad you brought that up. You know, it's really important to get those basics down. Now with that, how, how much do those skills mitigate you from dying? Would you say? Do you have an like a percentage? I know that's a weird question, but I'm I'm more of like a. Is it like is it the skills of the of the tune or the skills of the person? <laughs> with hauling, it's both. It's, with hauling, it's both. There's definitely some activities where in-game skill matters more. There's activities where out-of-game skill matters more. Hauling is a little bit of both. You can have all the mindset for it and a very new hauler and probably survive. Whereas if you have never hauled before, but you take a high SP tune, you're you're very very likely to to get killed because it's it's about that balancing act. Especially in high sec, there's some very prolific gankers that live in specific areas, and if you don't know where they are, you know you might wander into their trap. I mean, some of these guys literally are very calculating to the point that their bombers will have the specific amount of missiles it takes and you can thwart a gank attempt by just having a you know slightly different fit or something that throws them off are you saying bombers in like high sec ganks or low sec ganks or both? bombers in high sec ganks actually yeah what <laughs> bombers i've heard of tornadoes but not bombers that's interesting are they a lot more deadly than just using like Nagas or Tornadoes? I think it applies to like more, I think there's a guy who uses them to chase freighters uh, specifically, because bombs apply very well, or not bombs, but torpedoes apply very well. So the freighters, yeah, because they're bigger. Yeah, I mean, I guess that makes sense. And they're actually cheaper than Tornadoes now that I think about it. I can't remember how much it costs to fit it, but it probably ended up being like 50 million, 60 million. You can, a bomber. A, you can get a bomber fitted up for, yeah, or in the ballpark of 50 mil. Yeah, whereas with a tornado, they're, what, 60 million just for the hole nowadays, I think? Probably. There's, and I, there's insurance calculations that go into it, but these guys will always find the most optimized thing. You know, I always thought the catalyst was kind of the king because you can get a lot of DPS out of a glass cannon catalyst. Mm -hmm. but, and it's so low skill too like well ccp kind of built that whole play style where you could have tons of like deep low sp tunes that didn't require you to train up as much but with that whole pirate not pirate, that whole security status change i felt like a lot of people kind of like fell off of that catalyst play style but they're changing to like more bigger ships like you said stealth bombers and i've seen a lot of nagas and tornadoes being multi-boxed to kind of reduce the the output of those numbers that they lost I've, I've definitely been ganked by tornadoes so i can confirm that they're still they're still out there and being used oh, yeah and i also wanted to add too you were saying something about it doesn't matter how much sp that you have if you're like a terrible hauler you'll end up dying i'm a good example of that because i'm the type of hauler who would just right click autopilot and just come back and, you know, my stuff's gone. <laughs> yeah, um, I made a mistake one day. I was being just a little bit lazy, and I was warping to a, warping to a station in high sec, and I didn't use my Instadoc bookmark. And I lost about $4 billion-esque. That mistake. Were you, uh, were you flying a freighter? I was actually flying a Sunesis, hauling blue loot. Oh, <laughs> yikes. <laughs> that sucks. 
Uh, just making sure that you guys see like what's happening on Discord. I did not. Let me take a look. So we got we got someone named Bacon Boy saved the day. Someone that you might know, Eric. He's actually the CEO of GH Soul, who does a lot of our jump trading for low sec buyback. Good, good, good. It's up to you. Astro, do you want to continue that way? Because he's in public voice if you want him to add to the show. Oh, yeah, of course. Let's bring him on in. Okay. I'm not sure how much time we have left, though. What are we looking like on time, Evan? On time, like, we got, like, a few minutes left, but I think that we might have a good life with him, with what he's been chatting with me. Let's see. Okay. All right. Can you hear us? Megan Boy, you should be able to hear us right now. Hey, can you hear me? Yes, we do. If you had any jumper questions, feel free to ask them. There's some. There's an elephant in the room, though. If you didn't know that, maybe you brought it up a little earlier. Have you heard uh, about the T2 dreads? Oh yeah, we talked about it. We talked. We spoke about it earlier okay, in the I show. Missed that part. It's going to be a pretty exciting change when that comes through, especially for the jump fighter pilots. What exactly would be interesting for the? If you wouldn't mind, can you share a little bit about that to us? Yeah, sure. CCPA doesn't have it all nailed down right now, but they're planning to release this T2 Dread with a special weapon on it, and it has an area of effect that's, I'm thinking, around 100 kilometers long, 2.5 mm -hmm. kilometers wide. But because it's area of effect, it will, affect, it, it will impact someone in warp, especially if they're moving along a line. Let's say if they were warping from a station to a gate. In so like an interdiction? My understanding is it's a it's a column or a cylinder. Oh, I didn't know that. They could yeah, line the that up, right? Between the gate and the station that the jump freighter just, you know, is coming from. I was under the understanding that it was like an on-grid thing. So you can actually pull people out of warp with that. It's not pulling me out of warp. It's damaging me in warp. Remember when you come in with a ship and a smart bomb goes off? Mm-hmm. And even though you were in warp, you now get potted effectively, right? Right. So it's the same principle. The jump freighter would come screaming in from the station. It just, you know, this is all in low sec. Land on the gate. But in that last hundred kilometers, it would be taking a hell of a lot of damage. And with that, you can stack the lances on top of each other, right? Yeah. They do do that. They'd probably be doing damage to each other, too, but they can take it a lot more than a jump freighter. Yeah. The other, the other thing wow. is, and they demonstrated CCP Aurora and was it Swift and B demonstrated this on the stream when they lanced towards a station. So if a jump trader pilots warping and gets caught by that lance for one minute, we we talked about it a little bit earlier with disabling tether, but it also disables the ability to jump out, and it disables the ability to take a gate. So that jump freighter, if he got hit with that lance, would essentially be stuck. He can't warp, he can't jump, he can't take the gate. He's stuck there for a minute. The only thing he can do is align. So yeah, there's been a lot of talk about how it's going to affect jump freighter pilots and that the common entrances from low sec to high sec space are going to be camped by cloaky snuff dreads. Is That's what actually I can see kind of talk about. It's really impressive now that like you kind of say that because, I mean, jump freighters... They they haven't always been like as slippery as most people would assume, but I mean the survivability rate's pretty high. Now with this, 
you have the possibility of making more more and more plays on jump freighter pilots. So I don't know. It, it's a good and a bad thing because I feel like with this type of change, it'll probably disincentivize people from doing it as much. And the people that do continue to do it, they'll make more money, right? With that kind of change. Yeah. I, I could definitely see some some of the less diligent jump freighter pilots getting themselves into some trouble, yeah. Do you think... Oh, go ahead, I'm sorry. The biggest risk is that you could sort of uh, blockade Put one of these at every the every low sec to high sec entry point. And there's half a dozen of them. Cargo could halt. <laughs> you remember the old days of burn Jita? Well, it's it's worse now too because I mean Jita is cut off from the well the Galante space. So like this are already kind of like a hard way of getting stuff from region to region. Now you're just adding more pressure on supply chains. So. Yeah, like that's it's kind of it's kind of interesting because I feel like you'll start to see a lot more people just become more into regional trading. So like with Mimitar and Galante, like a lot of people before would just go from Rins to Jita rather than just going from Dodixi to Rins. So uh, it, sorry, backing up here. So how do y'all feel about that with uh, with these new changes? Do you see a lot of more people just working with the regions that they are able to connect to with HiSec, or do you still see a lot of more people just risking and venturing out there to try to get the cheetah? Sorry. No, you're not muted. We heard you. Yeah, but on the yeah on the Discord note. So what I was saying is that it's really interesting to actually hear like a um, when like that you could like bar a, like a, a place with that debuff that prevents you from using a, like a Stargate. So, like, gate camping in a low sec, no sec, and everything's gonna get to another, a whole new level with that. So, it's gonna be, it's gonna get, a, like, a lot more dangerous. Well, it's gonna get a lot more worse. I mean, Snuff has already been doing supply interdiction for low sec minerals. So, now with this new change, and they've also been putting, r removing stations that are able to do moon mining in low sec. You know, long story short, they're just, they've already started to do like supply interdiction. So now with this change and added in, I don't know. I feel like this will probably be twice as worse as, as what it was before. You know, we, we already had issues getting stuff back and forth. Now with this, stuff's going to be able to do it easier. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Again, and this is a lot of speculation. We don't know what these dreads are going to cost, how long they're going to take to build. I believe CCP did confirm the dreads will need to siege in order to lance. And it's a 15-second spool-up. So, I mean, when a dread tries to do this gate camping, I mean, they're committing to the grid, which means there's a good chance that somebody's going to get wise to one of these dread pilots doing this and maybe even move in dreads of their own to to bait a dread pilot to lance a gate to, to be able to drop on and kill one of these dreads. Or, you know, we might see Kiki fleets, bombers, who knows. I think it's definitely, it opens up a lot of new types of gameplay that, you know, haven't been in the game before, hopefully. I got one quick question. If they do prevent you from going through the gate, is there any precedent for that? Because, I mean, I think the most challenging barrier to you know, hauling, jump fair hauling, or even moving anything around in Nullsec is the bubble, right? That doesn't even prevent you from going through the gate. 
I don't have enough experience with Hicks, but does a Hick, like a Hick point, stop you from taking a gate? No, it doesn't give you gate. So, like, it doesn't give you a compact, com, combat timer. Oh, it's like an infinite point, so it's just like a, a, warp, a big yeah, warp so debuff. Then this will be the first mechanic in EVE that actually stops your ship from being able to take a, take a gate. Yeah, it's, yeah and, and I'll point out one more thing. It's probably the first single drop <laughs> because that'll get pointed yeah. out to them. Well, it's the point of like the defensive buffs. Well, well so, they're, like, they're aware of it. They discussed it on the screen. Scream. The stream. I can't speak today. So, I mean, it seems to be an intentional design choice on their part. Yeah, it's a brand new mechanic. So you, there's a lot that can be done with that. So if you got like the, the fleet to back it up and that uh, let's say that you... Like you stage a bunch of those down down your pipe in like a low sec or elsewhere. You can have like a, your 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 fight like let's say like a really really like a deep in, into the pipe. Then you know that they they're gonna get like to the choke point, and now like you just like get them with those T two dreadnoughts. Then your fleet that, that like come right after to finish them off. So. Right, and I also feel like it's important to note, like, not every... There's only going to be a few alliances that can actually do this correctly, where they have the support fleet ready to jump in if there's, like, an escalation needed, and having the necessary amount of ships to also have enough of these things to kill things fast. Not every alliance... Well, not every alliance. Most alliances aren't going to be able to, of course, be able to front the bill to produce these. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's going to require a lot of materials, but when you're talking, like, enough... Eternity goon form materials really don't matter in the end, it's really just the time. So, once these blueprints get found, once the supply chain gets established, you're going to see a lot of these bigger organizations already kind of set up to, to take the take the ground running. I'm pretty sure goon form has already had they've already made like years and years of plans for production for these things. Do you think uh, as they get introduced, they're going to be fairly high priced? Like. What yeah, do you think? Man. Somewhere around ten billion, twenty billion. I mean, is this like equivalent of a super? I find that the really neatest part about this is it's kind of like bringing null sec tactics into low sec. Low sec. About it. Yeah, actually, like the price is going to be like really, really important. Like if uh, for I know uh, that we we tried asking and CCP is not putting out any information on it yet. I haven't seen anything in devlog because I know they didn't really give any answers to build cost when they did the stream but i think the only comparison point we realistically have at this point and it's still speculative is if you look at the tech one freighters into the jump freighters right because the jump freighter right now is really the only tech two variant of a capital ship that we've seen so Indeed. yeah i mean three but times like if the they lower could the be amount sorry if they lower the amount of tech two pieces that it takes to Built this tech to the capital, like you'll get the price down if they keep this the same number of pieces to like as the jump freighter, it's gonna be like instantly high, like above 20. Well, I've actually yeah. been looking at the initial prices. <laughs> like, what, what do you think it'll be for the first month? I oh, and, <sighs> that's, yeah, that's so hard. To I don't even like, think people would fired. honestly sell. I don't even think, honestly, people would sell for the first month. I think, like, if any any if any alliances are producing these, they're probably going to hold them. But as far as the price, it's hard to say because it'll also be determined on how many low sec materials it 
requires to mo- to produce it. And we already have an issue with supporting enough low sec materials for all of Eve. So if there's gonna be so if it's gonna be like twice the amount of what a dreadnought is gonna be currently right now, I feel like it'll be twenty bill plus for sure. Because just just the amount of materials alone right now. Rins gets wiped out like daily because there's not a lot of low slick materials that are out there. So, you know what I mean? Once that happens daily and the supply chain starts to get kind of like worn out, and you're starting to see a lot more demand for that supply side. Yeah, I, I would expect it to be 20 billion for quite a few months, really. Yeah, but it also all depends on will the change on the industry coming in June will also impact yeah. the, the whole capital production that much or... We don't know. We'll see what's going to happen there. Well, well, I, I, I definitely, I definitely foresee a lot of business going to low sec buyback, given that people aren't going to be wanting to move things in their jump freighter anymore. Yeah, it's a, it's a good segue. Ben, can you pull up the high sec buyback website for me real quick? Because I wanted to show the stream yeah, sure. kind of what it looked like earlier and kind of walk people through the process. Sure. Let's go there here. Yeah, while he's working on that too, I did have a question for the the. I apologize. What is your name again, sir? Beacon Boy saves the day. I'm the CEO of Galactic Calling Solutions. Eric mentioned this earlier. Okay, so since we just had you pop on the stream, if you wouldn't mind, can you kind of just give like a brief description of yourself, and then as a follow up question see what here's a question i haven't asked eric that i can ask you what are some of the most exciting and memorable moments that you've experienced in hauling oh geez i mean it's hard to choose you want the most recent one whichever you you, it's, you know feel like it's definitely entertaining <laughs> so uh, there's a lot of entry points to Jita. And one of and and they're camped by people who do gate bumping. I think you've mentioned this. They're they're generally blops battleships, and they pretty much force you to come through the gate, use a bookmark, things like that. And that has been a, a challenge, but I think it's pretty much been overcome at this point. So to step up the game, they ended up bringing in not only the Blops battleship with the Lodgy, you know, that was sitting there cloaked on the gate going into high sec, but they also brought in a fleet of 24 uh, stealth bombers who shot through the gate ahead of the jump fire, because the jump fire is in warp, it's committed. It's going to go through that gate. And they sit on the other side. This was done by, most recently, the Kusians. You remember them? It's a group I'm not in... Familiar with them. I'm not familiar with the Kusians. Uh, they do a lot of high-sec ganking. And uh, Jason Kusian used to be... Well, in any case, well-known. Though not as active lately. And, and obviously come back for a week or two there, maybe even three. Seems to have disappeared again. And, and notorious for locking down big targets like a jump freighter in high sec with a fairly durable ship and in the 15 seconds they have melting it <laughs> with stealth bombers oh. and your only hope because I've been in this situation more than once when you see the wall of catalysts or the wall of you know stealth bombers in front of you 
is just sino away. <laughs> and mm-hmm. hope you can, you know, hit that sino button before any of them do, you know, scramble your warp drive. Um, but does there's the other Black stories Ops, that are a little more does, involved, and I'll I'll save them for another day. Does the Black Ops normally also scramble, or what do they do exactly? They like bounce and then scramble. So they're okay. moving about four clicks a second and trying to, oh. in the one tick before you go through the gate, they're trying to give you enough velocity to move you more than 2,500 meters from that gate going into high sec. Well, you're talking about ship bumping you. Yeah, the gate bumper. Oh, right. you. Yeah, I see. Okay. Fast moving blops usually either brought in by a cloaked Razu or it's sitting cloaked behind the gate. Wait, and and obviously they have eyes and they know the uh, uh, the jump freighter is in warp and coming. And, uh, it, it's kind of interesting. You know, it takes a huge amount of effort and almost like two gr- groups of gankers cooperating. Yeah, that's crazy. There's a whole bunch of questions I want to ask about that, but. but like so I you wanted really... to uh, bring, uh, go bring me back sometime. We'll 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 talk uh, hauling. <laughs> Great. So high sec buyback. So how does that work, like uh, quickly? Right. So Eric, did you want me to describe it, or do you? That's up to you. If you if you feel comfortable, you absolutely can. Otherwise, I can well, talk to you. Th- this this isn't like a sponsorship or anything, but I actually use high sec, low sec buyback quite a bit. I'm a miner in high sec, and I use high sec buyback to kind of sell my ore. Essentially, how it works: if you're like a new player and you wanted to to note that note this as well, you can sell. Pretty much anything on with high with high sec buyback, faction ships, modules, ammo. For me, materials is what I would use. There's a few couple of things that you have to be aware of before you set up the contract. You have to log into their site with your character that you're sending the contract on. Eric has already advised it to us as well. None of the login information is saved, so you have that level of security. And then on top of that, it has to be done at an NPC station. It can be done at any citadels. It doesn't matter if it's Freeport. It doesn't matter if you blew high stick buyback. It has to be done at an NPC corporation. There's also a few couple of things as well that they do that you'll have to be kind of like familiar with. When you're setting up the contract, you actually have to copy and paste all of the items that you are wanting to set up the contract first before sending it. And what you'll do is you'll go to your inventory screen. In the inventory screen, to make it a little easier, if you change it from the icons to like, you know, the um, if you look at the hamburger menu, I'm going to do a terrible job explaining this. You click on it and you change it from icons to like the, the list format. You can actually hit click control A and... Control C, which is copy everything and then copy. And then you take it to that browser, you hit Control V, and you hit uh, appraise these items. And then from there, it'll give you the GTA buy price from for all those items. Sometimes it's 80%, sometimes it's usually 70%. It's based off of what you're sending. With materials, a lot of the time it's a mix between 80 to 70%. Once you get that price from that contract, then you take that price, you do it, it actually has a copy icon. Once you send the appraisal, you take that price, you go to your contracts, you submit everything that you had in the appraisal. And high stake buyback also does check all that stuff to make sure nobody's trying to scam them. And then once you do that, because I've, I've tried, Shh, don't tell anybody. Once you do that, you search high stake buyback in your contracts, and then you submit that price, which you've already copied, into the price that I'll gain in the contract. And once you do that, it gets it over to high stake buyback. They normally, 
if there's any problems, they normally message you in game. And then once it's submitted, they'll of course accept it. They'll send you an email telling that accepted that it's accepted. And then on top of that, an interesting thing that HiSig Buyback does that I wish I would also remember to follow up on is they actually do giveaways to people based off the amount of contracts that you do. So per contract, I think you get one ticket or something like that, and they do a drawing every Sunday for like ship skins, right? Yeah, Eve, the Eve Partner skins, every Sunday they're given away. It's not based on ISK value or anything. Any contract um, gets you entered into the giveaway, which then will ping on Discord in our giveaways channel. It's definitely a, definitely a nice nice touch. Some of those skins are worth good money. Yeah. How was, how was my tutorial? Did I do pretty well with that? Pretty well. When we were talking about high-sec buyback, you said that it's typically 70%. I think you were talking about low-sec buyback there. High-sec high buyback's base rate is 90%, Cheetah. Oh. Low-sec buyback is 70 just due to the fact that hauling cost is is more, yeah. And then it scales based on items. Like you try to sell tritanium, it costs more to haul, right? Because it's huge. Right. So, the calculator actually, if you put something in that's super heavy, this that out, it, can it'll like... actually give you a little like if you type in like an obelisk or something, it'll give you a little exclamation mark which you can hover over and it'll say, you know, if this item is at a high sec island. It, High sec island, it might be rejected because the ISK to M3 value is, you know, too bad to haul. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's a pretty good calculator. I know he's put a lot of work into try and make it extremely comprehensive. Because the you know we want people to have all the information up front. We don't try to hide anything from people. This is the rate. This is why we're paying it. And. You know, so people can make a good decision about whether our services work for them. And I think the results speak for themselves. Well, it's just the convenience that applies for it. Like, yeah, like if you keep if So when I first started kind of like doing high stake buyback, I was kind of a little bit skeptical of like having a reduced price. But when you really think about it, the tax percentages you would have to pay whenever you set up your own orders, the amount of like order modifying that you have to do to get a competitive price the hauling itself also requires so much more time that once you factor in the buy price itself it actually ends up kind of being a, a win for the consumer or for the, the person sending the contract because now you don't have to spend 20 or 30 minutes hauling stuff to jita you could just get back to whatever you're doing you know what i mean and you could just let that just kind of just sit and once the money comes in you know you you get a, a giveaway on top of that as well so, I don't know. I feel like Heisling Buyback has been, and I know this sounds like a sponsorship, but it really has been revolutionary to, like, miners who, you know, do like mining, and they don't want to deal with the, the, the market trading or the hauling and putting themselves at risk. They just want to just, you know, just do their, their play style. But, uh, and that's kind of why I use it. I don't know if I'm mistaken. people. Go ahead. Like, but, like, uh, but I think that Heisling Buyback is actually, like, a sponsor of, of TIS. Well, it is. I was, I was joking. I was trying, okay. to, <laughs> trying to be funny, but I'm also, yeah, man. But kind of trying to turn it around here because I, I know we're probably like way over the show time, and I wanted to ask both the awesome questions, and then on top of that, I asked the new, the new guests some questions, so I don't, you know, feel like he missed out on much. So, so it pretty much covers it, I think. It pretty much covers it, the whole show. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. But just a few questions real quick for him. Um, you know, you, you can always bring me back on a show next week or something. Well, that would that would have to be. Yeah, I guess we could look at that then. Um, yeah, I'm I not mean, usually the host of the show, so I can't really say who's coming on next. But I can I can see what we can do for that. Maybe we could do a part two. Because I also do you know? I'd, you I'd love to have Eric here too. Um, you know, to get we've worked together a lot over the years. <laughs> oh, really? Y'all aren't competitors, are are y'all? We could be, but we work out. Work, work we work real well together. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, yeah. I guess we should probably just try to make some moves to get y'all on another show then. So I guess we'll go ahead and start moving towards the closings. Before we do that, do y'all have anything y'all want to add to? I guess you know your remarks and your outro. No, not really. I mean, if folks have questions or you know need more information, they can definitely hit us up. We have Discord channels for both of the buybacks, as well as calculator websites. I can give you guys the links to that stuff if you want to share it with people. Other than that, yeah, drop by it. Hit us up with any questions. We have forum posts that you know let people know what we're about and where they can see other folk who have used the service. Okay, super. Did you have anything else you wanted to add? Appreciate having me on the show with such short notice. I very much enjoyed my time here. I'm looking forward to your questions. I do love to talk about hauling. Hey, I like asking him. Yeah, we definitely, we'll definitely get you on the show. Oh, well, like Big and Boy Save the Day, like I just really enjoy your name. Like it's just mm -hmm. perfect. Like uh, for those of you that don't know, like uh, I'm the one behind the uh, Eve Montreal that got like always this ad of unlimited bacon event. So with your name was just like blessed. What does that mean exactly, guys? I don't I don't know that you. Uh, people mispronounce my name Bacon Boy a lot. <laughs> yeah, because like like you see, like I only see bacon because like I just misread like anytime it's read bacon, I I read bacon and I really. I'll still read oh. Beacon. <laughs> yeah, that is pretty funny. <laughs> but I understand how Bacon and Saves a Day, you know, all fits real well in your mind there, you know. Oh, yeah. It, it oh, sounds yeah. way better than, yeah, <laughs> than Beacon. You should, you should let that stick now. <laughs> yeah. But I don't really have too much to add. I, like, I, I'm appreciative for, for y'all joining you know, Eric and, and Bacon, uh, thank you for coming. Um, sorry for the short notice, everybody, because like, I, I wasn't expecting to be the host. I haven't actually been a host of Talking In Stations, so hopefully it has been enjoyable for everybody. And, uh, you know, if, if you have any questions, uh, you can ask questions in the Eve Talking In Stations channel, and I'm sure, you know, Bacon and Eric and Ben and I would gladly like to answer them for you. In closing, I do want to go ahead and you know, do a sponsorship for my alliance. Uh, I fly for Damn Fam, which we're a. I don't want to say role play because not everybody role plays, but we're more lo we're loyalists to the Mimitar militia, and we are looking for new players who are wanting to get into mining. We have a pretty solid system in place to where you can make quite a bit of money, and we also do have a lot more people coming into the alliance. We're actually we actually have more numbers than Nusra Khan now at this point. So we're growing, and we have a lot of money-making options for people. So if you are interested, and you are looking for a place to set up and become a miner, and you aren't like a you know stinky Kaldari or a weird zealot from the Amarians, go ahead and shoot me a message, and I'll see what I can do for you. That's great. 
All right, y'all. Well, uh, at this point, we're going to go ahead and close the stream. You know, thanks again for coming and listening to us talk about hauling. And going forward, once again, if you have any questions, send either Eric, Bacon, or any of the Talking Stations crew, and we'll try our best to answer the questions as, as quick as possible for you. In closing, thank you all, everybody, and have a nice day. Thanks for having me. Thank you.